0: Welcome back to the 2022 FS Ag Roundtable, brought to you locally, of course, by Growmark FS, Midwest Bank, Big River Resources, Stone Seed Company, Representative Josh Oaks, Monmouth College, Elliott Brothers Seed Company, OSF, Holy Family Healthcare, Warren Henderson Farm Bureau, McGrew Feedlot and Equipment, Martin Tractor Incorporated, and Patent Block Grill, and Brew Pub. It is currently 11.14. Rob Elliott, could you start us off, sir? on the topic of our foreign relations. That includes the relations with China that Ron alluded to earlier, emerging markets, and or the impact of the competitive global markets with Ukraine and Russia in the current situation, please.
1: Sure, Vanessa. Uh, that, that's a lot of responsibility you just laid <laughs> out there. on. But as, I, I think one of the key things that Ron mentioned earlier is Big uh, dependence on China for for a lot of back and forth. A lot of ag exports certainly go there. Uh, what if, what if in their relationship with Russia they decide you know maybe we go try Taiwan? Where do we go there? I think that's a real wild card that I I don't think really anybody wants to face. So that's one. The the other one with Ukraine and Russia. I, I heard a. Um, consultants say a couple weeks ago that the impacts or implications for this are probably broader-ranging than what any of us really can realize and probably longer-lasting in their effect in the market from an ag standpoint um, i believe ukraine's the number one sunflower producer they're like number six in corn uh... they're kind of the breadbasket of europe what if they don't get a crop planted uh... what if those ports in the black sea don't you, you know don't have the ability to uh, uh, export out of there so a lot of big changes to our export market and exports with emerging world economies have become a really big deal to our to our markets and profitability uh... but but what i would say when we get into these ultra high commodity prices um, Goofy things begin to happen. Demand kind of can take some unprecedented turns in where we go and people figure out at very, very high prices of commodities to figure out a different direction. And as a result, this has a lot of dynamics at play. So.
0: It does, and South Africa making some comments in regard to NATO, uh, that there's some, some potential blame with NATO. That's been an emerging market, uh, at least in parts of Africa, that we have seen. Jake Armstrong, uh, your thoughts? Uh, we, we had a chance to talk about this last month uh, on your segment on the radio show. Um, a lot's happened since that day.
2: A lot. Um, and as we said that day, uh, I'm really relying on people who have a few more gray hairs than myself to guide us through this because... I've never seen a war economy. I've never seen a war market. I mean, this is all just new to my generation. Um, when you're talking inflation coming on, uh, volatilities in these markets, I mean, it's enough to keep a guy up at night. Uh, I want, I want to echo what Rob said about uh, Ukraine's crop. Uh, it, it, whatever gets planted, that's great. That's awesome. I really worry about their infrastructure and their ports getting that out and actually making a difference in the ag economy. Can we capture that? Is that going to fight our ethanol? That's a, that's a rolling ball that's in the air right now, and it could be very beneficial for agriculture, and it can really hurt us in other senses if we are stealing corn away from uh, ethanol plants and fuel prices what they are. As we've talked about in the previous hour, that ethanol is a great source to help uh, lessen our fuel burdens, and I guess we would all appreciate not paying as much at the pump. Um, it, this is a very interesting time uh, to be in agriculture. and. Uh, Personally, I do think we're going to have strong uh, prices for a while, just because of all this uncertainty, because of the technologies we're talking in soybeans coming forward. With hand in hand, I think Brendan's right, I think we're going to have expensive inputs as well. Personally, as an ag retailer as well, I'm terrified to know what this fall looks like. Trying to get product in, trying to get anhydrous, trying to get enough. I, th- I think we have a real challenge in the next six months to get as much stuff on our shores as we can, because this whole world could could flip very quickly, especially if, as we've alluded to with China and Taiwan. That's that's something no one wants to face.
0: Brendan Marshall, that keeps Jake up at night, but it keeps you up at night as well, making sure you've got product for your customers.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, it's a real balancing act right now. Um, and I'm gonna use this as an example. Um, Roundup, which a lot of farmers use Roundup. Um, it's been allocated this year. Um, my company we're only going to get a certain percentage of what we sell and my, my company covers seven counties. If everything works out because we switch products around on growers and you know I'm, I, I've got two customers in the room that made some changes in order to make sure that I can that they can secure the amount of product that they need. We've turned in the automobile industry as an ag retailer. We're on time delivery right now we got an allotment in february you get one in march like with roundup we'll get another one in april we'll get another one in may june and actually we're going to get one in july and we're not even counting the july into the products that we're going to sell this year so if we run into a problem where everybody hits the field at one time we talk about a rolling blackout we could have a rolling blackout yep. with products now if transfer Transportation keeps up, which is always a catch-22. We're going to be fine. And I think we've prepared ourselves my company And I know a lot of I've talked to a lot of my competitors and other fs's that everybody's geared up for because it got hammered into us a Year ago starting last July. I mean that's when the shortages happened when things weren't coming out of China I sat in a meeting a couple weeks ago with a representative from a chemical company and uh, They don't see this getting better in 23 um, possibly carrying to 24, but things you don't think about um, packaging, packaging materials like uh, we get a lot of stuff in bulk or we get it in 250 gallon totes, and those totes are plastic with steel cages around. We can't get totes, right? And so that becomes a problem with getting other products on the market. There's a shortage right now. Atrazine. I'm 55 years old. Atrazine was developed long before I was born, and if you don't if you don't have it in your facility, you're probably not going to get it. I mean, it's been around forever, and so and that's just little hiccups that we see in the market that we got to get worked out with everything else. And I use the thing rolling black and that's what could happen through the whole wide retail industry, and it could happen in fertilizer very easily.
0: Interesting. All right, and Dan Swanson, as our state representative, also a veteran. Thank you for your service. Take us through what you're seeing, what you think you, you've seen conflict before. Uh, what are your thoughts?
4: it's interesting last week we invited the Illinois Army National Guard to come in and give us kind of a, a briefing on Ukraine and, and and it was mentioned earlier we don't understand the impact this is going to have Ukraine right now is entering into their spring planting seasons it's their time of year just as it is ours and uh, there's a I listen I read a blog called Ag AgTalk Plus and there was a Ukraine farmer on there who who's now off the air um, but he was talking about how he was going to struggle with his country he farms about 2400 acres um, he took his wife and child to Poland came home and three of his hired men said we're gonna go pick up a rifle and go to go to combat so he said not only am I struggling with my help But I'm struggling with even getting the products I need to put in my my crops. And, uh, you know, it really hits home when we're trying to get our crops ready here. And there's no jets flying over bombing us. There's nobody shooting at us. And we're fighting all these other prices, as Brendan pointed out, and and Jake, the hardships we're going through. And it's going to be a tough spring. But, uh, you know, here are those people that in ukraine those farmers are certainly going through their struggles too and and we only talked about the agriculture side of the equation what as ukraine the breadbasket of europe sort of they also have a lot of raw materials that we rely on too and uh... so we've got all that coming together it's just going to be a a massive program here issue but you know we, we've got to keep our eye on china um, and Taiwan, and I think we're all doing that, but I don't think we can take our eye off of the Rocket Man in North Korea, either. He's been lighting a lot of fuses here lately, and uh, where's a lot of our pork products go? To South Korea. They've become became a, a larger importer of our pork. Is that going to disrupt some of our exports into um, South Korea if Rocket Man starts lighting more fuses? And then, oh, by the way, Iran... Uh, shot some missiles at our embassy in Iraq in the city of Erbil which I've been in um, Erbil and up in that part of um, Kurdistan, it's a beautiful country wheat fields as big as what you'd see out west so um, a lot of things is going to be impacting our markets as we try and export to foreign to other countries and then as we start importing products that we need to put on our farm it's going to be major impactors there so um, I think the global impacts right now are are larger than what we've ever seen as our farming industry. World War II, of course, back in the 40s, um, those were all problems that we didn't have to work through, but now we're facing our own global problems and interest rates went up. So it's a lot of... this war is bigger than what some of us may think. Um, Some of us may realize we see empty spaces on our shelves at our grocery stores and it's it's bothersome what what we see and uh logistics and, and uh all the issues that go into this. But uh um yeah, so I there's more than just the war in Ukraine, there's a lot of other global impactors right now in our markets.
0: Ron Moore, you guys discussed this. You alluded to it earlier at the twenty twenty two Commodity Classic in New Orleans. I hope you had some really good food for me, especially like shrimp and seafood.
5: Yeah we did. I had seafood every
0: night. Good, good.
5: We don't get that here in Roseville. No. <laughs> or Monmouth.
0: So tell us uh what, what you learned. What was the discussion at the Commodity Classic in regard to this topic?
5: Well, it's been said here earlier, most of what we talked about down there is, was was said here earlier. But one thing, I, I guess two things that, that I perceive, I may be totally wrong, but I don't know that you're going to expect a lot of exports out of Ukraine right now for the next, I would say for the next year. I think even if the war ends this week, they're going to get enough wheat and sunflowers built to supply their own country. I think that's probably most high on their priority list is to provide food for their, their countrymen and their consumers. I don't think they're probably going to be too worried about making sure they can get into the export market. Um, we have high prices right now. That It's extremely sad that that tragedies in Ukraine is what is causing us to have these high prices. We've got um, supply chain issues. Um, Brendan talked about being just-in-time delivery of things like the auto industry, but I I foresee this changing the mindset of the manufacturing industry, um, because I think they're not going to be satisfied with just-in-time delivery of widgets or whatever they produce, because once we get through all of this logistics, I think they're going to have more in a warehouse, more in inventory, so they don't get subject to these kind of drastic supply chain issues in the future. I think that's my prediction. And I think because they're going to maintain those inventories instead of West Central FS, our costs are going to continue to stay high, like, like Jake was talking, for the foreseeable future. I don't take advantage of these high prices now because I think in 23, 24, 25, our margins are gonna come back down to where they were three, four years ago in agriculture. So um, guys with the gray hair have seen this feast and famine before, and we're, terrible reason why we're, we're having these good prices right now, but they're not gonna last forever.
0: Okay. and. Jim Lighting, you have had a lot of experience, your company, I should say, with the needs of China as as they have emerged over the decades, uh, whether it be DDGs or ethanol. We know corn and soybean. What what do you see? How that do they? How much do they need? What do they need right now? Does it play a role in their strategic? How they're going to handle themselves in this particular conflict
6: from what I understand they are they have really shifted back to an emphasis on food security and domestically they had actually incented away from corn if you roll the clock back five years ago they had excess inventory and in the government and it was spoiling. They have worked that down to the point where we saw an increase in imports of U.S. corn. They came back to the market because they got their domestic supplies under control. Now, they're back to incenting their producers for more acres and increasing their their domestic production and so I believe we're going to see somewhat of a reduction But with Brazil having a smaller soybean crop this past year and some of the supply issues that are not only affecting the US but affecting Brazil as well there's some really unique things as to where will China be able to source uh, Whether it be soybeans or soybean meal or or uh, Whether they domestically have a good crop and how much corn and feed grains are they going to need? Uh, so a lot of uncertainty and anytime you are Dealing with China you truly don't want to count on them being your um, primary export market because China is an unreliable buyer and so I think there's big question marks as to what we see and uh, part of it is dependent on the supply chain as well as what type of a growing year we have this coming year.
0: Okay and Rob Elliott it's interesting because for years during these ag roundtables we've talked about China's investment in other countries and their infrastructure whether it be roads, bridges, ports. Um, Maybe there was a strategic thought to this with President Xi Jinping.
1: You bet. Exactly where I wanted to go there uh, Vanessa because uh, the Chinese, as Jim said, are very shrewd and they are pretty strategic in how they approach things and uh, they're not going to be your friend too closely. They've made significant This Belt and Road Initiative, I believe it's called, and significant investments around the world in infrastructure, be it in South America, Africa, even in Cuba, that uh, they're going to try to source from wherever they can and not be too reliant on Only us here in the U.S. And you'd mentioned Commodity Classic. I'll I'll put in another shameless plug here. But um, last week uh, was celebrated a bit. Uh, in our recent infrastructure bill, the new Lock and Dam at uh, Lock uh, 25 uh, north of St. Louis where the uh, Illinois and Mississippi come together. So par- part at a last-minute call to the White House uh, with a push from Congresswoman Bustos and Senator Durbin and Duckworth that that got put into that infrastructure bill, but that will allow for, you know, shy of $750 million that will build a new 1,200-foot lock uh, down there on the Mississippi River. Just part of our aging infrastructure that we've let go and uh, if we're going to be a a, a major world player in the future, that waterway piece is so important. Um, We bounce down the road and hit the potholes but very few of the the voting public really realize the importance of that uh, inland waterway and uh, I I used this at Chris's meeting the other day for the bank but uh, a barge holds 52,000 bushel uh, which is equal to 55 semi loads of grain 18 3500 bushel rail cars and a 15 uh, barge tow which is what's typically out there on the river is about 780,000 bushel pushed by one tugboat so you can see the efficiency that comes about with that inland waterway mix so that will allow a 15. A a new 1,200-foot lock will allow a uh, 15-barge tow to go through that lock without having to tear it apart, uh, put pieces of it through individually, then put it back together, the danger, the expense, and everything else that goes with that. So a huge win with that uh, Lock 25 on the Mississippi.
0: President uh, Wyatt from Monmouth College, please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you did a dissertation back in the day on the Vietnam War, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay. Take us uh, for a a moment, compare the situation then to now. Uh, I know Representative Swanson talked about the 1940s was probably the last time of this magnitude we had seen an effect, but China's uh, was certainly somehow intricately a part of that that conflict, too, at some point, uh, or at least um, thoughts about them, or at least I remember something about them. I can't put my finger on it. You're the expert on it.
7: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the the Chinese government, the Russian and the Soviet governments supported the, the North Vietnamese government in time and, and uh, during the Vietnam War. So uh, that's certainly the case. And I think the, I mean, a lot of good comments um, made at the table today about the situation. And I think it, it's, it's, part of what I wonder is how permanent Will some of the reordering that's taking place right now be? I think on on the one hand, you can think about okay, is this is this really the demise of Russia as a significant power? Uh, I think perhaps it is, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, what certainly Russia is isolated. It's isolated economically. I think it's isolated. For the most part, politically, it's isolated. I think morally, for the most part, in the world, how long will that last? I think that will. I think that will last for a while. We've seen great n- unity among the NATO countries and and other other countries outside of NATO that we would regard as as the Western world. Uh, that's a wonderful thing to see. Uh, how long? will that last uh... can that unity it would be great if that unity and cooperation could sustain and could go into other realms more than just the immediate response to the emergency in ukraine if you could have Greater economic cooperation. If we can have uh, better sourcing, better market cooperation among these countries that have come together for this this specific purpose, if that if that could last, um, China uh, again we we've talked about China a lot and it's specifically it is if probably the two most dan- well for the long run the two most dangerous places in the world have been the demilitarized zone in, on the Korean Peninsula and. The uh, uh, and the Taiwan Straits. I uh, think, you know, probably every political, every president's nightmare has been sending the 7th Fleet into the Taiwan Straits. Uh, what will China do? Will they be cagey? Will they just, you know, will they do what the Russians, the Soviets used to do? Probe here, probe there, never get too far out in front, don't provoke a response. Certainly the lesson they ought to learn from Vladimir Putin is that if you go to, if you overplay your hand, you're going to lose. Uh, but China, obviously, is far stronger in every sense of the word than, than Russia was. Will they overplay their hand? I don't think so. Um, but I think what they are going to do is be more emboldened to push us. On every place, they're going to continue to build those those fake islands mm-hmm. in the South China Sea. I've got a particular interest in Vietnam, and the Vietnamese have been buttonheads with the Chinese for decades. Over that, has has have the the Philippines? Will they be more aggressive in terms of the Belt and Road Initiative? Probably. And how do we counter that? Uh, that that's. Those are some of the big questions that I have.
0: And the islands, are you referring to the military bases that they're making literally in the ocean?
7: Yeah, naval bases and air air bases as well.
0: Yeah, I just uh, unfortunately learned about that a little while ago. That was concerning.
7: Yeah, claiming all of the the South China Sea as their their territorial waters, or as my friends in Vietnam call it, the East Sea. They don't acknowledge that China has anything to do with it.
0: Do you think China is politically and morally... um, you said Russia, you know, economically, politically, morally challenged. Do you think, that's, you think China's thinking about that, if that could happen to them? Obviously, economically isn't the case. Yeah, do you think I, they care?
7: I, well, I think, that's, I, I think they care to the degree to which it, it affects their larger ambitions. I mean, China clearly wants to be the dominant power in Asia. And they're going to take advantage of what's happening in Russia, because let's remember, Russia is a continental, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it is a Pacific nation as well. They're going to take advantage of that and uh, as much as they can against Russia. Um, but if... They, they will... The, the, yes, they care to the point, uh, to the degree at which it affects that larger ambition they have to, to dominate Asia. They It, it, it galls xi jinping Mm -hmm. that the united states has a military presence such a strong military presence in uh, in east asia and the western pacific that's why they have spent so much money over the last 15 20 years to build up a carrier fleet you know they have they have a carrier fleet that doesn't quite challenge ours yet but it's getting close
0: okay chris gavin with the banking industry the financial world how does all of this when you guys get together with your colleagues and industry leaders how does this particular invasion of ukraine play a role in the future of what you guys are strategically planning for
8: well i think the first thing is the the banking side is the interest rate environment and um, we saw immediate effect on that um it looked like the Fed was going to, they were signaling a, an increase of uh, 50 basis points um, in early February. Uh, and then with the Ukraine uh, invasion, uh, they immediately backed off that. And we saw earlier this week where they've raised uh, interest rates a quarter percent. So I think, uh, the, so the forecast for interest rates going up has certainly been tempered now um, with. Uh, with what's happened in Ukraine, so that's that's the first thing. Um, and then I think, long term though, we're seeing still um, just you know general concerns about the about what's going on in the world. Um, the long term rates uh, are still projected to actually you know stay kind of in the range like the 10-year Treasury. Um, rate is around two been trading around over and above two percent and it's been that way um since it started increasing about a year ago it's got up to that point um, and it's been trading there in the last several months in that range but uh so it's projected to stay in that stay in that area so that's i think that's good news um, for farmers and the fact that the, the the cost to borrow long term should should stay you know kind of still in a pretty a pretty good area it's not gonna it's not anticipated to go up a lot even though we'll see short term increases in rates that's going to increase the rates on the operating loans uh, certainly going to add expenses to the farmers like expenses in the other areas but uh, but yeah so I think you know obviously just the uncertainty it's there's never been so much volatility and uncertainty uh, and that's 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 I've heard you know, the comments at breakfast, we we talked a little bit about how are the how's how's Wall Street dealing with all this? It seems like, you know, with with the Dow at thirty-four thousand still. I mean, with what's going on in the world, it just seems like they're. What do they know? You know that we don't know. They're usually a pretty good predictor of what's going to happen. So I, I guess that's maybe good news that they still that the markets held up like it has. That's a good. Point.